0: A still, dark night, the crunch of snow underfoot, the eerie groan of river ice inching its way to the sea, and the rich smell of wood smoke wafting on unfelt air currents. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. In the woods behind the house where I grew up was a large, slanting, glacial erratic just flat enough and wide enough on top to support the tent platform that my dad built me. I loved camping so much as a child that at about the age of nine, I decided that I wanted my bedroom to be a tent in the woods rather than a room indoors. I would set up my tent in the backyard lawn once the snow melted in April, and usually take it down in October before our first flurries. Probably sick of having little square patches of dead grass in the backyard from my tent and realizing that this wasn't just a phase. My dad built me the perfect tent platform that kept me off the lawn and even deeper into the woods, just how I liked it. Perched on top of that perfect slab of granite and surrounded by tall spruces and firs, I had a 360-degree view of the forest for six months of the year from the age of nine until I left for college at 18. From this perch, I learned to identify my first owl vocalization. This time of year is ideal for learning to identify owl sounds, as they are entering the breeding season and beginning to make a lot of noise. One night, as I had just snuggled down into my sleeping bag and turned off my lantern, I began to hear what I knew was an owl hooting loudly right above my tent. It just kept hooting the same pattern over and over. At the time, I did not know the difference between the sounds of different species of owls, but I did know that there was a difference. I did not have a trusty field guide in my tent to help me figure it out. A rookie move, I know. Now whenever I go camping, rest assured that I bring an entire box of field guides into the tent with me to avoid that predicament. But field guide or no, I concentrated hard on trying to memorize the pattern of the hooting so I could look up the name of my new owl neighbor in the morning. Not knowing that people usually assigned words or phrases to bird songs, I tried a numbering technique. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six. I fell asleep, repeating the pattern in my head as the owl hooted, hoping I would remember it well enough in the morning to look it up. As soon as I woke up, I went inside and found a bird guide. I read through the descriptions of the various owl songs and paused on Who Cooks for You? Who Cooks for You All? It was a match, a barred owl. These still and silent January nights are one of two times per year when you have a very good chance of hearing owls singing. In late summer, we hear young owls vocalizing to announce their new territory, but in this part of early winter, owls are vocalizing to attract mates. Great horned owls are noisiest in January, followed by barred owls in February, but there is certainly some overlap. So the next time there is a calm night when the moon is bright, you could try to bundle up and go outside to listen. You might even hear the startling song of an owl piercing through the cold stillness. Matching words or numbers to the pattern you hear can help you to identify the owl you heard once you come back inside. Bird guides are great resources, as are the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's AllAboutBirds.org website and their Merlin app. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Have a nature question that you want us to answer in our show? Simply reach out to us. Theme music was by pileated Woodpecker, made available by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Great horned and barred owl sounds were recorded by Lang Elliott. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology.